0: Hey kiddo, how was the hell? Did you learn anything? Yeah, that ripping pow induces spontaneous joy. The Icon Pass lets you do you at 50 destinations worldwide from 249 Adult. Drop in for next winter now and save at yeah. IconPass.com. We well, praise the Lord, Pastor Michael Jakes, and welcome once again to the Line by Line podcast. We're here once again with a Bible study for your soul. We pray that all is well with you once again as we do open up the Word of God. Tonight we are continuing in our study in the book of Matthew. We are in Matthew chapter number 19. We're just about at the end of the chapter, but there are some very, very uh, interesting and powerful things that Jesus is about to speak here in these last uh, verses of chapter 19. And so we pray that you'll be able to stay with us for a little bit uh, as we do go into the Word of God one verse at a time, line by line. Amen. Uh, this is That's the Word Ministries, and we are a ministry dedicated to the propagation and proclamation of the Word of God. We do preach and teach the message of the cross uh, that is embedded within all that we do, all that we teach here. Uh, and we pray that you will help to share this message simply uh, by uh, sharing out this page. If you're watching us on Facebook, share this out that others also may be blessed. Amen. We want to make sure as many people as possible are able to hear the life changing message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we are going to get underway with the word of God, but first the word of prayer, and we'll do all of that right after this. your name tonight. We thank you once again for giving us this opportunity to open up your word. Lord, we will be nowhere. We will be nothing without you. So Lord, we pray you will give us the strength to do what we do here. And Lord, we pray that uh, you will have your way tonight. Lord, speak through us, in us. And Lord, I pray that you will bless, encourage, enlighten us as your word goes forth. Lord, have your way. Draw those who need to hear these words tonight to this place on the World Wide Web. Lord, we need you today and we bless you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, God is good. Well, amen. Uh, we, are we are going to get started, and we're going to pick up uh, a little ahead of where we uh, left off the last time we uh, got together. Uh, last time we got together, uh, we were we ended up in verse number 27. But I just want to uh, move backward uh, just a few verses uh, just to... Uh, make sure that we, I want to add a few things that we didn't uh, put in the last time uh, that we got together. Amen. So let's do that here right now. I'm going to start here in Matthew chapter number 19 and I'm going to start in verse number 23 because this thread, this conversation that starts here uh, is a conversation whose thread is going to go The remainder of chapter 19 and into chapter number, into a portion of the next chapter. So I want to start uh, right here. Verse number 23. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, You know the story. Jesus has just finished speaking to a rich young man, a rich young ruler who had uh, many uh, material things and much money. Uh, And he was unwilling to depart from those things when Jesus said to sell all you have and then come and follow me. The Bible says that he went away sorrowful because he had much. Amen. And so that's where this conversation begins. Verse number 24. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now. With this statement, this statement is going to set off, once again, a, a chain uh, in the conversation, amen? A chain in the conversation that is going to uh, bring about some desired results, some good results, because the disciples are going to learn some things about their future, and we are also going to learn some things about our future as Jesus uh, begins to speak uh, to these indiv- to his disciples right now. God bless you, Donna. Amen. God bless you, Doris Bubley. God bless you. Amen. All right. Now, when he makes this statement, when he makes this statement, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the heaven. Obviously, he is not saying what Jesus is not saying is that rich people cannot go to heaven. No, no, no. That, that's not what Jesus is saying. But just as in the case of the rich young ruler, it was his riches. That was one of the things that would help to keep him out of the kingdom. We know that the main reason why individuals will not go to heaven, whoever they may be, we know that the main reason is that they do not believe in Christ. Unbelief is the reason why people will not go to heaven. But once again, one of those factors here, this young man was unwilling to depart from his stuff, from his things. And many times... It's the things that we have and the things that we hold on to that will many times stop us from proceeding further in the Lord. Those who are in Christ. Those who are outside of Christ are things many times will help uh, to stop us from progressing and going to Christ. But here's how this conversation begins to proceed. In verse number 25, when his disciples heard it, who were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then can be saved. I mean, they're wondering it to themselves. They hear Jesus make this very uh, uh, amazing statement that rich people uh, can hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And they say, well, what's then what's going on? Um, let, how can we get to heaven? Who can be saved? The fact is, the fact is that none of us, none of us, Will get to and have and will ever get to heaven based on our own merits, based on our own perceived goodness or righteousness. None of us will enter into the kingdom of heaven. None of us. Jesus makes this very plain when he says in verse number 26 But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men, this is impossible. With men, Left to yourselves, once again, left to your own merits and your own goodness and your own perceived righteousness, it is not possible for you to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But with God, he says, all things are possible. And it is made possible by and through Jesus Christ. We all must come to Jesus. If we want to go to heaven, we have to come through Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that is very important. Who then can be saved? Those who trust in Jesus. Those who believe in Jesus, amen, and receive them into our hearts, amen? Yes, Frank, not my own devices. Our own devices are going to fall short every single time. Your own devices cannot bring you closer to heaven. It won't work, amen, amen? not by works of righteousness which we have done. What does it say in Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 8 and 9? For ye are saved uh, by grace through faith, uh, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest uh, any man should boast. So it's not by works, it's not by the things that we do. It's not by how much, quote, good that we do that we enter into heaven. It is by God's grace, amen, through faith. Verse number twenty seven. Then answered Peter, and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all, and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? Uh, Peter is basically saying, uh, What about us? We we are not we are not rich men. We've left everything to follow you. What's what's our status? What's going to happen with us? And verse number twenty eight, Jesus. Lays it bare, he tells them. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you. I love that word, verily, when Jesus says verily. In other words, he's telling, he's being very honest, and that's the only way that Jesus can be, obviously. But when Jesus speaks, when he says, Verily I say unto you, count on it. It's the truth, amen? He says, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me, and he's talking specifically about his disciples, those 12 disciples, barring, of course, Judas Iscariot, who we know did not make it all the way, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now they're hearing this for the first time wondering, what is he talking about? Now, here where Jesus talks about in the regeneration, uh, here he is talking about the millennium, amen? He is talking about the millennial age, that age that we read about in the book of Revelation. It is a literal, and I must stress that, it is a literal 1,000-year earthly reign of Jesus Christ, which will take place after the Great Tribulation. So here's the sequence of events. Rapture, here we are now. Rapture, uh, Tribulation, three and a half years, Great Tribulation, second three and a half years, you can all call it the Great Tribulation, but uh, one half will be much more severe than the other, and then the Battle of Armageddon at the close of the Tribulation, and then comes Jesus and we who have gone up at the Rapture, and then uh, the Jesus will set up his kingdom. The millennial kingdom. Once again, 1,000 years uh, reign on earth from Jerusalem. You and I will be there. Okay? You and I will be there. Amen? Those who are saved and born again. Amen? Now, here's where he's going to talk about we, us, that I just spoke of. Verse number 29. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit eternal life. Now that's a lot. What is Jesus saying there in verse number 29? He is saying that the cost of a life in Christ is, is great. If you proclaim and name the name of Jesus, if you choose to live for Jesus, there may be serious repercussions. There may come a point in time in your life where you have to that word forsake. Being that word forsake means to lay aside. That word forsake there means to leave. It means to let alone. Uh, It means that many times you will have to, uh, to live for Christ, you will have to put aside all the things and people that he says here. No, it doesn't mean that we are to go and live in a monastery away from the population so that we can live out, out our lives for Christ. That's not what it's talking about. But once again, it is talking about some of the decisions that we will have to make in our lives. Many of us live, many of us have families that don't serve the Lord. Many of us, many many people are living in a, in a situation where they may be the only one in their household or the only one in their family who is living for the Lord. This, this can be, this can be a difficult life, can be a difficult life. And so, once again, it's talking about, it's not talking about uh, divorcing family and, and family, I can't have anything to do with you. No, it's, it's not talking about that either. Once again, it's talking about, once again, the cost of discipleship. You are going to have to, in Christ, you're going to make, have to make some very serious decisions if you want to live for Christ. Amen? He says that you have to forsake. He didn't say deny. He said forsake. Houses, brethren, sisters, in other words, family, family. It doesn't mean leave your walk away, pack a suitcase once again and leave your family. Let me make that perfectly clear. That it's, that's not what Jesus also is talking about, not at all. Once again, there are some things in your life that you will have to be able to set straight. Christ is first. Christ is first, amen? And so when he says here, a uh, land that's talking about power in those days. Lands were equated with money and power, and that's where this rich man, uh, the the rich young ruler, ruler, that he was unable to separate himself from his lands, and that it was a was once again one of the ways that one of the things that kept him away from Christ. But here's what we receive in return. Listen, the things that we give up for Christ far what we receive in return far outweigh the things that we no longer want to be involved in the things that no longer that no longer quote do it for us the things that the things that have no more a uh, meaning to us anymore the things of the world that we have forsaken the things that we let go is nothing what we get in return he says Some receive a hundredfold and, and we shall also receive eternal life. What, what else can we ask for? What else can we ask for? We have eternal life. If he never, if Christ never does another thing for us, you know how the saying goes, he's done enough. He has done enough. We have Thanksgiving coming up here in the United States and we know Many people are going to be standing up and and, and giving thanks. Uh, Many unsaved people are going to stand up and they're going to acknowledge God in their own way. Listen, when we go around the table every Thanksgiving, every Thanksgiving we go around the table. Everybody knows what I'm going to say every single year. Every single year. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? Everybody says family and 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 a roof over my head and food on the table. All of that is absolutely 100% correct. But the thing that I thank God for the most when it comes around, I thank God for salvation. I'm saved. I'm set free. I'm going to heaven. That's what I am most thankful for. Most thankful for. I'm thankful for all those other things but most thankful for my salvation. Amen. It is, as Frank said, it is the ultimate prize. Our salvation, that's the ultimate prize. Amen. And you may not receive what you believe you should receive here in this world. It may not be, you may not, quote, get paid until you get to heaven. And that's fine. That's fine. Amen. You are saved. You're saved. And that means everything. That means absolutely everything. Eternal life. Verse number 30. But many that are first. And this is going to lead into the next chapter. And another parable that Jesus is going to tell. He says, but many that are first shall be last. And the last shall be first. What is that all about? What is he trying to say? He goes on. Let's go into chapter number 20. Matthew chapter number 20, starting in verse number 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. He's looking for day laborers. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny, notice what it says, he had agreed with the laborers uh, for a penny a day or a denarius, he sent them into his vineyard, okay? Here's what you're going to get paid at the end of the day. You agree? You agree? This is it? Okay. Let's go to work. He sends them out. Verse number three. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. Those who are standing idle in the marketplace represent those who are outside of Christ. They are outside of Christ. They are standing idle in the marketplace. They're just standing there. They're not doing anything Verse number four, and he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right. He doesn't tell them a penny. He doesn't tell them how much. He says, whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. He's promising fairness. Verse number five, again, he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. Obviously, he probably found more individuals and told them the same thing. Verse number six. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle, and said unto them, Why stand ye here all day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us, he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. Same promise that he gave the others who were standing idle. Whatever is right, you will receive. Verse number eight. So, when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. Okay? The twelfth hour has come. They've been out there working, sweating, and now pay time has come. Once again, they are day laborers. They get paid at the end of each day. Verse number nine. And... When they came, that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny, and so there were those that were there that had only worked that this this last group, the last first, they had only been there for an hour working, and they received the penny once again. He said he would be fair, he gave them a penny it happened to be the same amount that he promised the people that came first at the beginning of the day verse number 10 but when the first came they supposed they supposed that they should have received more and they likewise received every man a penny now here's what's going on while the last are being paid their their penny their money those who are first in line, must have been standing around saying, well, he gave them a penny. Wow, we, gonna, woo, we He's gonna, he's, he's gonna give us more. He's gonna give us some, he's gonna give us more. Verse number 11. And when they had received it, those who were first, they murmured against the good man of the house. What's going on here? And, and verse number 12 saying, these last have wrought but one hour, talking about those last people that came in on the eleventh hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. It's not fair. It's not fair. But he answered one of them and said, "Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not? Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Did we? Did we make that agreement for one?" Penny, And take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. You're questioning. You're question, I, I promised you a penny. Here's your penny. I have been fair with you. Verse number 15. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil, because I am good? Evil eye in those days it was an idiom that meant jealousy or envy. Okay, not looking upon someone else's favor with favor that you don't appreciate what, what they have as compared to what you have. That what was that's what was going on here. Verse number sixteen. So the last Jesus finally ends the 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 parable. So the last shall be first, and the first. Shall be last. For many be called. But few. are Chosen. Many are called. But few. Are chosen. Not everyone heeds the call. Many will be called. Many are called. But many don't. uh, Hear the call. Not they don't hear it. They don't respond to the call. Few are chosen. Based on your choice not to heed the call, you won't be chosen. You won't be chosen if you don't heed the call. But many are called. Many are called. So once again, it is totally fair what happens here in this parable. He made a promise. Listen, all those, all we who are saved now, and regardless of when you were saved, regardless of when you were saved, Listen, it it, it it doesn't matter. The fact is that you are saved. You're saved. Listen, in glory, in glory, I am not going to be able to say, I have been saved for 45 years. This person has been saved for two months. How? We're all the same. We are all going to heaven. We all receive eternal life. All the blessings of salvation are equal all the way around. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 50 years. Amen, Frank. (laughs) Saved is saved. You are saved. If you've been saved for a month, you will receive all the benefits of salvation. All the benefits of salvation. The only thing that changes, and I don't really want to call it a change, but the only thing that's going to change about you and your salvation is the fact that you're going to grow. Over the years, over time, you are going to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. But you are sanctified. You have been justified. And you are not more saved now than you were when you first got saved. As I I mentioned, I made a a little mention of my own salvation of something somewhere along the lines of 45 years or so. What does that mean? What, What does that mean? It means a lot without meaning anything it means a lot but it means that god has kept me it means that god is good that god is gracious and kind that i'm here but it it doesn't it doesn't stand up against someone who's been saved for a few years i've seen people saved for a few years in my in my existence i've seen people saved for a few years grow in the grace and knowledge of the lord uh, at a greater pace than those who've been saved for years and years and years you see, so once again, amount of time it says something, but what does it say? It, it means a lot, but in those in the time that you're saved, you have to grow. You need to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Amen. And so that is what is most important. Nobody's going to be able to say, "I've been saved longer than you," and, and so my reward is going to be greater than yours. No, is there going to be some surprises. There are gonna be some surprises in heaven, and we will not look at somebody out of the corner of our eyes when we get to heaven. It's all going to be glorious all the way around. You get you will get what you get, I will get what I get, and we will all be happy. Why? Because we are in heaven, we have been saved. We everything is going to be as perfect as perfect can be in heaven. And and even that thought. We cannot understand, but everything will be fine. Everything will be fine, amen? Verse number 17, Matthew chapter 20, verse number 17. And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples apart in the way and said unto them, now Jesus is going to tell them now for the fifth time. This is the fifth time here in the book of Matthew that Jesus is about to, is telling them, what is about to happen? They are on their way to Jerusalem. He's been trying to tell them all along the way what's going to happen. And each time he tells them a little bit more. Here's what he says in verse number 18. He says, behold, we go up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man, once again, that's Jesus' favorite uh. He uses that phrase to speak of himself as on the human end. Jesus was a man. The Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. That's speaking about the Romans. To mock, this is what he didn't tell them yet. To mock, to scourge, and to crucify him. And the third day, he shall rise again. So now he tells them he is going to be mocked. He is going to be punished, scourged, whipped, beaten. They knew what that meant. And he was going to finally be crucified. They knew what crucifixion was. And, but he says, on the third day, I'm going to rise. He mentioned that fact about rising before. But now he tells them how he is going to die. Exactly. Exactly. And once again, we don't know. The Bible here doesn't give us a response, but we know what Peter has already said uh, just a few chapters ago in verse, in chapter number 16. When Jesus told them that he was going to die, he says, no, no, no. Peter says, I will go with you wherever you go. Verse number 20. Then came, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons. Worshipping him and desiring a certain thing of him. I think I jumped ahead in the story. In the in the the story there, I don't think we got to that part of Peter yet. But anyway, so James and John's mother, the sons of Zebedee, known and they were known as the sons of thunder. Now, based on what we've just read concerning what's going to be going on in the millennial kingdom, which they had no understanding of that each one of them would be uh, rulers over the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, James and John's mother comes with a request, a further request. Verse number 21, and he said unto her, what wilt thou? What do you want? She said unto him, grant that these my two sons may sit the one on the right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. This kingdom you're talking about. I want one of my sons to be over here and I want my other son to be over here. Your, your, your right and left hand men, so to speak. But Jesus, verse number 22, answered and said, ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? You Do you really, do you really understand what you are asking i don't think you do are you able to drink the cup drink of the cup that i shall drink of and that's talking about his suffering to drink of the cup talking about it's talking about are you going to be able to suffer in the way that i am going to suffer and to be baptized with the baptism that i am baptized with understand What Jesus means. If you understand what the word baptism means, you understand fully what he's talking about here. Baptism means to immerse, to submerge, to go under, deeply under. And what Jesus is saying here, not only are are you able to suffer in the way that I am going to suffer, but are you going to be able to go deep into this suffering? Because it's going to be real. My suffering is going to be real. And are you able to be baptized with the type of suffering that I am going to be baptized with? Are you able to to endure what I am going to endure? And it seems that they answered this question very quickly. They said to him, we are able. It it doesn't seem like they thought about it too much. Yes, of course, yes we yes, of course. And Jesus now prophesies. They don't realize he's prophesying, I'm sure, but he now prophesies. and he saith unto them, saith unto them, ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. He just he just prophesied their future. What he's telling them is, yes, you you are, you are going to suffer. not in the exact same way that I am going to suffer, but you will suffer. He's speaking here to James and John, the writer of the Gospel of John, the writer of first, second, and third John, the writer of the book of Revelation, he says, yes, you will. Suffer, James. This James here would eventually be the first of the disciples to be martyred, the first of these twelve to be martyred. Once again, we don't include Judas here. He was the first of the disciples to be martyred. Uh, in Acts chapter number twelve, uh, Herod wanted to make a special case, and he took uh, James, James's head. That's what happened to James. We know that now. Of course, James didn't understand what he was talking about. But Jesus already looking ahead said, Yes, you you will. You're going to suffer. And for John, of course, John had no idea what awaited him. John would eventually go on, as we said, to write the Gospel of John and the and the three letters of John and the book of Revelation. He would be privileged. He would be the only, uh he would be the only apostle uh to die a natural death. Uh as natural as natural could be. But once again, uh, he did suffer. He yet did suffer. All of the disciples did suffer. If all of the disciples came to Jesus and, and asked this question, Jesus could have told each one of them that, yes, each one of you uh, will live uh, long enough to, to die as a martyr. Amen? Uh, tradition tells us that uh, they all did. Of course, once again, except John the Baptist didn't. didn't wasn't killed even though he died. He went through some things. Amen. Verse 23. And he says unto them, ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. Once again, Christ's humanness. He defers to the father. He does that. Jesus does that many times. He defers to the Father, He is the Son of Man, so He defers to His Father, saying, "This is a, this is a, a decision uh, that can only be made uh, by My Father, uh, which is in heaven." Amen. And when the ten heard it, verse number twenty-four, when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brothers. In other words, they they were uh, they were uh, not so much offended, uh, but they were displeased they didn't appreciate uh, the disciples these James and John seemingly trying to get uh, uh, get uh, rise up above them he's already told us that we're going to be uh, part of his kingdom uh, and sit on 12 thrones and now you're now you're asking you want to sit on his left and on his right and and they they took that as a personal slight they didn't they didn't appreciate that. But Jesus called them unto Him, and said, "You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they, and they that are great exercise authority among them." Once again, He's talking about leadership. He's talking about leadership and the fact that how leadership works in the world. The one who has the, the one who is the strongest is the one who leads, and then they lord over uh, individuals with that powerful leadership. Uh, but it shall not be so among you. That's not how the kingdom of God operates, amen? The strongest lead. That, that's not quite how it works. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. In other words, be a servant. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. Okay, leadership is, leadership is, is, is a powerful aspect uh, in the kingdom. And we must understand. That just because you have might. And power. And strength. Uh, and position. It does not make you one that should lord uh, lord your quote power over others. That is not how the kingdom works. In the kingdom. If you want to be great. You must learn to serve. Not to be the boss of everyone. That's not what it's all about. Learn to serve. That's how we lead in the kingdom of God. And whosoever, verse number 27, and whosoever will be chief among you, uh, let him be your servant. Servant. Once again, we are not to pattern the world, the, the, the church rather, should not pattern its leadership after the world. There are too many things that the church takes from the world and tries to bring it into the church and, and different things and styles and, and different things that we bring into the body that should be left outside the body. We don't, once again, we don't operate under, under how the world operates. We serve. That, that's what makes an individual great in the kingdom. Not wisdom, power, stature, all those play a part, but it's service. If you want to be great, learn to be the servant of all. Even as the Son of Man, verse number 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, he didn't come to have people do for him. He's Jesus. You don't see Jesus saying, hey, come here, do this for me. Hey, I need you, come You don't see Jesus doing things like that. No. Jesus was a servant. He was a servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. He paid the ultimate price. He gave his life. He sacrificed his life for others. Greater love hath no man than this. That a man laid down his life for his friends. That's leadership. <laughs> that's servanthood. He gave up everything for everyone else. Amen. And that's powerful. He gave his life as a ransom for many, for all those who would call upon his name. Verse number 29 And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. In other places, I believe it's in the book of Mark, we read about one man and how, how this is simply explained. Uh, once again, Mark wrote Mark, Matthew wrote Matthew. Uh Mark got his uh Mark got his information from someone the one who seemed to be the the one who was uh, the most dominant is the one that is spoken about in the book of Mark. Amen. Um and so it's one of those quote Bible difficulties that people come up with that say that the two stories uh that the two stories contradict one another. Amen. But they do not. They complement one another. Verse number 31, and the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more saying, have mercy on us, Lord, thou son of David. We know this from Mark. It's uh, Bartimaeus was the one who was crying out, Lord, have mercy, have mercy. And he cried louder and louder and louder. And Jesus stood still. He stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? What do you desire? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them. Touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight. And they followed him. Now notice. Notice. If you'll notice the contrast between uh, the story of the 10 lepers, if I can bring that up very quickly, the 10 lepers, uh, he, he healed them, sent them on their way, and as, as they went, he told them to go see the priest, and as they went, they were healed. And we know that only one came back. Here it says that these two men received their sight, and they followed him. They, they immediately, I want Jesus. I, look what he did for me. And it, it, it talks about us also, how once we were blind, but now we can see. And now all we want to do is to follow him. I, fo- I want to follow him. There's nothing that I can do to repay him for what he has done for me. Nothing, nothing at all. So we respond to Jesus saving us by serving him. By loving Him, by obeying Him, what else can I do? Be, being obedient, just, just, Lord, Your will be done. Your will be done, because it's the it's the least, and and it's the least that we can do, is to honor Him by obeying Him, following Him. Lord, I just want to follow You, Amen. And that is so very important. And it goes back to verse number 32. If you want to get Jesus' attention, if you want to get Jesus' attention, don't give up. Don't give up. The crowd told Bartimaeus, told these two men, shh, quiet, quiet. And they cried more if you listen to the voices of the people around you telling you to stop, to stop crying out, he's not listening, what are you doing? If you listen to the voices around you, they can stifle you, they can frustrate you, and they can silence you if you listen to the voices around you. That is why you must not listen to the voices around you. Amen? And that is why you must live your life on this particular rule, do what the devil hates. You've heard me say that before. Do what the devil hates. devil doesn't want you to cry out to the Lord all the more. That means that's something you're supposed to do. Whatever the devil does not want is exactly what you ought to be doing. Amen. And so if you want to get the Lord to stand still, don't give up don't give up don't stop crying out don't stop calling upon his name don't stop persevere go through he's here and he will listen he will he's here and he will listen and we, as we see here he came through and he brought deliverance uh, to these to these individuals who called upon him without stopping amen so. Very important. Amen. Frank says, once I understood how good and kind Jesus is, nothing else satisfied. Amen. Nothing satisfies like Jesus. No one satisfies like Jesus. And yet we've been doing a teaching. We've been doing a teaching on Sundays. And the fact is that even though Jesus satisfies, he satisfies our every longing. We don't want to go out and do this and that because Jesus satisfies. And yet it's still... We want more. He satisfies. I have all that I need in Jesus, but I just want more of just I want more of him. I just want more of him. and the reason why we want more of him because we want to be like him. Remember, remember what the goal of the Christian life is. The goal of the Christian life is not to get more toys and not to get more houses and lands and more money. That's not the goal of the Christian life. No, the goal of the Christian life is to be like Jesus. That's the goal. I'm not talking about your ministry. I'm not talking about what the Lord has you to do. I'm talking about your personal life. Your goal as a Christian is to be like Jesus. To know him in the power of his resurrection, as Paul the Apostle stated. That, that is your desire. That ought to be your desire and my desire. Okay, we are going to we're going to serve. We're going to go to our churches, and we're going to be involved in our uh, different ministries that the Lord gives us. Uh, he's he's going to give us gifts, and we we're gonna we're gonna serve in the gifts that He gives us. All of that is all true. Your goal as a Christian is to be like Him. That's what I want to do. I just want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. If I can be like Jesus. Wow (laughs) I want to be like Jesus I want to be like him Amen So as we close out uh, This study Keep these things in mind Keep these things uh, in mind That the place where you are The place where you are As much as many times we fight against The place where we are Lord I don't want to be here Lord I don't want to go through this Uh, Lord I don't want Keep in mind that the place where you are is no accident. The situation that you are in is no accident. Once again, we, we fight to, to deluse ourselves from the different situations that we are. And God does bring relief. and The Lord does uh, bring relief. But we need to understand that the place where we are is the place where he has us. And he will work in us and through us right where we are Oh, to be, yes, Donna, oh, to be like Jesus. That's an old song from way back, uh, but oh, to be like Jesus. That's our goal. That's what we desire. Lord, I just want to be like you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we bless your name tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord Jesus, your word. Lord, your word soothes us, Lord, your word comforts us. Lord, your word gives us hope, Lord Jesus. Lord, uh, when the world around us uh, seems to be falling apart, when the world around us uh, seems to be getting more corrupt as time goes by, Lord, we have our hope in you, Lord. Lord, we know that one day you're going to come through the clouds of glory, and Lord, you're going to bring us back to be with yourself, Lord Jesus. And we look forward to this day until then. But as the song says, but until then, our hearts will go on singing, singing on. But until then, with joy, we will carry on until the day our eyes behold that city. Until the day, Lord, you call us home. Lord, we're going to serve you with gladness. Lord, we're going to serve you with peace in our hearts. Lord, we're going to serve you with joy um, in our spirits. Lord Jesus, we just bless you and honor you and we thank you for your word. Lord, bless us here together, Lord. Jesus, bless each and every one under the sound of your word at this time. Lord, I pray uh, that you will continue to encourage us and enlighten us as we continue uh, to read and study your word. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Frank. God bless you, Frank. And yes, Linda, every day we want to be just like Jesus. Amen. Every day. God bless you, Donna and and Tracy T and Doris. Uh, God bless you all. Amen. We just want to we just want to remind you that we're here uh, throughout the week. Uh, well, we started yesterday and we're here until uh, Wednesday night. It's online uh, ministry. We pray that you'll be able to be with us. Uh, if not, you can catch us on the replay. Um, we do what we do because we believe that the Lord has given us a mandate to do so. Uh, And we will continue to do so as long as the Lord uh, desires us to do so. Amen. And uh, we pray that you'll continue to support us through your prayers uh, and support us just by sharing out of this page. If you happen to be watching over Facebook, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, just tell someone about uh, this little ministry. I call it a little ministry uh, because it is a little ministry. Let me be honest, but here's, here's the truth. Here's the truth. As, as small as this ministry is, uh, what we teach and what we believe is not small. Amen. So it matters not the size of the ministry. What matters is what what goes forth from the ministry. That's why none of us can say that what we do for the Lord means nothing. What you do for the Lord means everything, no matter what it is that you do. If you pick up papers off the floor of your church, if you mop the toilets, uh mop the bathroom and, and clean the toilets of your church, you are if that's what the Lord has called you to do, you are doing a great work. Amen. Do not minimize what you do for the Lord. Amen. So we honor him and we bless him and, and we thank him for all uh that he is doing, amen. Uh we like to invite you to join us. Uh, throughout the week, amen, we'll be here uh tomorrow night uh with a brand uh new hot topic tomorrow night. Uh we'll be talking about I shall yet praise him. I shall yet praise him. In other words, how can depression be defeated biblically? I'm going to be talking about it once again this thing called depression that comes upon many during this time of the year what we what traditionally is known as the holiday season uh we're going to be talking about uh depression and what depression does uh but how biblically we can destroy defeat and demolish depression biblically and and I stress that biblically we're going to talk about that and talk about a few little pluses and keys uh, that we need to keep in mind uh when or when and if depression uh, rolls around so join us tomorrow night at eight o'clock if you can, amen. On Wednesday night. Uh Wednesday night on the cutting it right uh Bible study. That is the the first principles of the Christian life. Uh we'll be continuing uh, our study on uh uh repentance uh repentance uh and confession amen Confession and repentance—that's what we'll be talking about. We're continuing. We'll pick up our discussion. We'll focus a little bit more on repentance. We 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 were talking a lot about confession uh, and the difference between the two last time, but we're going to focus uh, mainly on repentance. That's coming up on this uh, Wednesday night at eight o'clock. Hope you can join us at eight o'clock p.m. Amen. Also, don't forget our book is still available on Amazon.com, Churchified or Sanctified. Once again, it's talking about the exploring the differences, rather the dangers of religion uh, and the glory of relationship. Amen. So once again, that is available on Amazon.com. And you can find all of our podcasts available on these podcast platforms. Spreaker.com is our main main podcast platform. Uh, people do listen in from across the United States and around the world, and we thank the Lord for them. Amen. Shout out to you all over on Spreaker.com, amen? Uh, we've also branched out a little bit on Instagram, and, and welcome to all of those who may be watching us uh, over Instagram, amen? Uh, and so, once again, it's been a good study. I pray that you've been blessed. I pray that you will take uh, take the word of the Lord and apply it to your heart and to your life, and um, it'll do all of us uh, some good to do that as we pursue our goal in this Christian life, to be like Jesus. Join us here next Monday night as we go into chapter number 21 and start talking about the triumphal entry, amen. Jesus is about to enter into his passion, amen. So join us next week here on the Line by Line podcast. Until then, hopefully you can join us throughout this week. If not, we'll see you right back here next Monday night or whenever you can. God bless you. Have a good night. Take care. We'll see you.